We'll look at Acts chapter 24, please. I'm going to ask a question this morning, just a very simple question. And that question is this. What is a Christian? What is a Christian? I believe this has to be clarified for people have the strangest ideas of what a Christian is. I got an email from a lady and in that email she used the word Christian and I'm going to read it to you in just a minute. In fact, I'll read it to you right now. This is, she sent me something that a man named Charles, Charles Colson had written. You know Colson from the Watergate <laughs> infamy. And he's supposed to be a great Christian leader now. And in this letter that she sent me, he was talking with a Catholic priest. And uh, I wrote this back to her. Of course, I won't use her name, but I said I do not intentionally offend anyone. But this is a time when I must comment on the letter you sent by Charles Colson. In the first place, I do not think Charles Colson knows anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. He has never said anything that would lead me to believe he does. In the second place, he said that Bishop, whatever his name is, is a devoutly committed Christian. The Roman Catholic Bishop, a devoutly committed Christian. Christian, there's the word Christian. What is a Christian? So here is my question to you. If this bishop is, as Colson says, then why does he promote the great works heresy of the Roman Catholic Church, which is deluding millions and leading them to hell while they depend on work salvation? The Roman Catholic Church is the greatest heresy this world has ever known. Colson also said the bishop had tremendous love for Christ. And I said, if so, why does he promote the lies of the Catholic Church that denies the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ? and I can't leave well enough alone. I said Catholicism is my enemy, for it is the enemy of God's truth. Then I said, dear lady, please take a look at what you're promoting. I think you're a kind lady who has missed the truth of what salvation in Christ is. 
And anyone who promotes the Catholic heresy or the Baptist heresy is certainly not the friend of God. And I do not say these things to hurt, but rather to help. How you take these comments are your own business, but I do want you to think about whether you even know what Catholicism teaches. I could tell you, but you probably wouldn't believe it. I would like to be your friend, but I must tell it like it is. For the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jack Shanks. I got another email this morning from someone in South Africa. And uh, he was berating me for making the expression that Christ died for sinners. I don't know how he could do that, but he... <laughs> He was taking issue with me, and he went into a long spiel of, of large intellectual jargon that I didn't understand. <laughs> and in that letter, he said, uh, what you say will raise money and get people. I wrote him back two lines. I said, I neither have money nor people. So I must be saying something right. And I signed my name. That's the end of that. Anyway, I get some doozies. But this dear lady has sent these things over and over, and I felt like it was time perhaps to say something. I couldn't refrain from it. Now let's read Acts 24. After five days, Ananias, the high priest, descended with the elders and with a certain orator named Tertullus who informed the governor against Paul. And when he was called forth, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness, he's bragging on uh, the governor now, and that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence. You know, they always butter people up. We accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness, notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee. I don't want to waste your time. But I pray thee that thou wouldst hear us of thy clemency a few words. And then he looked at Paul. And he said, For we have found this man, a pestilent fellow, and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ring leader of the sect of the Nazarenes. How awful! who also hath gone about to profane the temple whom we took and would have judged according to our law. But the chief captain Lysias came upon us and with great violence took him away out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come unto thee. 
by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things whereof we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, saying that these things were so. Everything that he said about this Paul is true. We attest to it. Then Paul, after that the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered, For as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself, because that thou mayest understand that there are yet but twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues nor in the city, neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. You see the picture. Religion has come together and everybody in religion is opposed to this Paul. So when people oppose me, I don't get real upset about it. Paul had the all of religion against him and he lived in a religious day Men were zealous for religion and enthusiastic and they were all orthodox and everybody knew everything there was to know about the Bible. And they were building temples and places of worship and had campaigns and programs but they hated God's grace in Christ. Does that sound like any day you know anything about? That's exactly what's taking place today. They not only hated God's grace in Christ, they hated the one that preached it, and they brought him before the governor. And they said, we haven't been able to stop this fellow, but we want you to do something about it and shut his mouth because we can't stand any longer to listen to him and they accuse him of everything they think of sedition and profaning the temple and they lied about him in everything now like that the day in which you and I live this is a religious day in which you and I live and if you want to observe the foolishness and emotionalism and violation of the gospel. Tune in to channel 24, 24 hours a day. You'll get the most vile, contrary to God's word, religion that you've ever listened to. And they call it what? Here's that word now. They call it Christian TV. There's the word. What is a Christian? 
Their TV is not Christian. It's vile religion. I mean vile religion. And everything around us is geared to some kind of religion, just like it was in Paul's day. And religion is active and enthusiastic and zealous and popular, and it's also big business. Big business. Religion is everywhere, just like it was in Paul's day. We've just got church on every corner, some kind of a synagogue or a church or a cathedral. You just go down the street and see them everywhere. And the preachers of God's sovereign, free, discriminating, electing grace, as Paul was, are despised and ridiculed and ganged up on today just like they were back then. There's not any difference. Preachers of God's grace are called troublemakers, dividers of churches, Accused of every religious crime known to man. And I realize that we're different. If we're not different, we don't have any right to be here. Why have another church just like all the rest? We're different. But God knows this, and he put this in our hearts. We do not want to be like the vile, God-hating, man-deifying religion of this day. I don't like to listen to wicked music, do you? <laughs> Some of the most wicked music is coming forth in the name of Christian music. Rock and roll, country, whatever you want, you can get it in religion, and it's repugnant to anybody who loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything is geared to entertainment. And in all religion, one of the main things of religion today, and Paul had to write a note to the church at Corinth about this very thing, one of the main things about religion today is that men are having less to say and women are having more to say. Now, excuse me, but you know that's so. <laughs> that's not harsh, is it? I believe if God Almighty would shut the mouths of women in religion, Pentecostalism and much more would go out of business. Now, ladies, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the other women. <laughs> I don't believe that's hard. No, it's just so. Rebellion against the word of God by women is rampant. It's running everywhere. It'll grab you every time you turn around. Paul said, I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to do what? To be in silence. 
That's God's order. I didn't, I didn't say that. God said that. And he knows what's good for us. And that's the way God does things. The difference we have with religion is not church government or baptism or ceremony, things like that. Where we differ from this religious age in which we live is much deeper than those things. We do differ from those people who call us heretics and from those who are too cowardly to preach what we preach. We differ drastically. Do you know how drastically we differ? See, I thought about this. I keep getting these emails and, and the people just don't realize that I'm not one of them. We differ drastically. We differ decisively and clearly so that one of us is preaching another gospel. Do you realize that? Another Jesus. And doing it by another spirit. We are as different as daylight and dark. And if we are not, I don't want to have church here anymore. We're not going to be like everything else. We're so different from Southern Baptists that one of us is a heretic. And I say that in general terms. Most Southern Baptist churches. We're so different from most so-called independent fundamental churches that one of us is a heretic. I don't make any bones about it. Somebody is in heresy here. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's facing the preachers of the day. These men had religious influence. These men had authority. And he said to the governor, he said, what these men call heresy is exactly what I believe. And I'm going to say to you this morning, what people are accusing me of believing and saying that it's heresy is exactly what I believe. And I want to own up to it. What is a Christian? That word is used so loosely. We have Christian this and Christian that and the word is just bandied around and a label put on everybody as being Christian. What is a Christian? What happens when a person becomes a Christian? All right, we'll begin with this premise. Man is dead. Is he dead? The Bible says he is D-E-A-D, -E dead. Dead, dead. Must a man be born again? 
My Lord said that he must be born again. A man has to get life if he's dead. And this is where I start. A man is dead. And so in order for him to be a Christian, he must be regenerated. What is to to generate is to set in motion. If, if you generate, you set something in motion. And to regenerate is to set in motion that which has stopped. A man must be born again. All right, then the question comes up, by whom is a man born again? By the Spirit of God. Is that right? By the Spirit of God. That's what the Bible says. A man must be born of God. This is the will of God. If you're here this morning in this auditorium and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are dead. And you are not a Christian. The word Christian means one with Christ. Christ one. You're one with him. You're not one with Christ. A man must be born of God, and this is the will of God. And this not only is the will of God, it's an act of God giving life. That's what regeneration is. Only God can give life. John chapter 1. Only God can give life. John 1 verse 12 But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name which were born they have to be born Do you understand born there was a time where you not, were not existent in this world and you there was a time came for you to be naturally born and then you became a person which were born not of blood not by your mother and daddy's faith blood got nothing to do with it nor of the will of the flesh you don't will it yourself, nor of the will of any other man, the preacher that tells you to do so-and-so, and if you'll do so-and-so, you'll be a Christian. That's not so. Nor of the will of man, what but of God. And that's what we believe. I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Do you see anything wrong with that? But religion sees a lot wrong with that. A man does, does not born himself, 
How does it happen then? Well, he must be born. This was talked about in Sunday school some. He must be born of the Word of God. Born of the Word of God. James 1, verse 18. So you better listen this morning, I guess, if you want to be born of the Word of God. James 1, 18. Of his own will, there it is, of his own will begat he us. How did he do it? With the word of truth. With the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. First fruits of his creatures with the word of truth, the word of God. So here you've got a dead man now. Let's just go through this. You have a dead man. He's spiritually extinct. He is nothing. And it's not that you're either a committed or a non-committed Christian. All Christians are committed to Christ. The fellow said in that email, this Catholic bishop is a committed Christian. Well, there's not any other kind. So here's a man. He's dead. He's spiritually extinct. He is nothing. And in the next instant, he is born by the Spirit of God. He is born by the will of God and he is born by the Word of God. And when he's born, he's given life. Now, does God do that for all men? No. If he did that for all men, then all men would have life and be saved. But he doesn't do that for all men. And I know, dear ones, what the preachers are saying. You know what the preachers are saying. They say the new birth is when you do something. You either walk the aisle and you come down and shake the preacher's hand or you make that all-important decision for Jesus and God is looking on and he's hoping you'll do something. And all of a sudden you decide, I believe that I'll be born again. And so you make that decision and you are born again. And that's what's taught in all of religion. And God is mighty relieved that you finally came through and made that decision because he'd been trying to save you for a long time. <laughs> that's what religion teaches. You have to acknowledge that. That's what's taught. And a preacher said to a man, well, John, I guess you're just going to have to go on to hell. 
you won't accept Jesus, your personal Savior. And he said, no, I'm not going to go on to hell. And he said, well, why do you say that? He said, well, if God's been trying to save me and he couldn't, when he tries to send me to hell, I won't go. He can't send me to hell. That's reasonable, isn't it? If you can defeat him in one thing, you defeat him in other things. The new birth is not anything you do or don't do. You can't do anything or not do anything because you are extinct nothing you're dead and almighty God has to come to you in your dead situation and say to you like he said to that baby out in the open field in Ezekiel 16 live that's what regeneration is God says live and whereas you were dead, now you live. That's what I believe. If that's heresy, I'm guilty of it. You must have life before you can hear Christ and see the gospel. Life is given by the Spirit of God. Who does the Lord regenerate? Who are those that the Lord regenerates. Look at Romans chapter 8, if you will, please. Find out who these people are. Here are the ones that God regenerates. Romans 8, 29, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also, you want regeneration? Here it is. Them he also called, and when his voice goes forth, you are regenerated. Them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified the calling here is regeneration is when God calls I believe if I were you and you're not a child of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ I believe I'd be all ears oh maybe God will call me today he may do it he can I trust that he will. I hope that he will. I pray that he'll call everyone in this auditorium that as yet has not been called. That's my hope and my prayer for you. John 5, 21. John 5, verse 21, For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. 
That plain language, even so the son quickeneth whom he will. Now this is heresy according to modern religion. Religion says that these truths that we preach were born in hell and blasphemy. I've seen that expression. If we believe what we say we believe, it came from hell and blasphemy. But what they call heresy is the way I worship God. I worship God this morning. I worship a sovereign God who does what he will, when he will, with whom he will. Regeneration is by the will of God. Well, there's no need for me to do anything then. Oh, that's what you think. Listen. Ask. You see, I say I can't. Well, do it anyway. Listen. Ask. Lord, open my heart of understanding. And I tell you, if you ask that in... In reality, in your own heart, God has never turned down a plea like that. Ask. Nothing I can do. If what you say is so, I'll just sit here. Don't do that. Look, ask, seek, knock. You say, I can't. Well, do it. Do it. Ask. Seek. Knock. Do it right now. And ask God. Lord, open my understanding. God's truth has not changed any more than God himself has changed. But the natural man will not swallow God's truth. It'll choke him every time. And I've preached in certain places long time ago, not anymore, but long time ago, where I could tell when people were choking on the truth of God. Their faces changed. You know, what did he say? Woman punch her husband. What did he say? <laughs> That's what he said. I hope there's not anybody here choking on these truths because this is the truth of God. And if you're choking on these truths, you might as well do this. You might as well throw them up and go back for something easier to digest somewhere. Go get something a little easier on the digestive system. You can find it most anywhere. But I tell you what, these truths that we've investigated this morning are sweet to the taste of a child of God. Just to think that way back yonder, before I even came forth out of my mother's womb, God had marked me out as one of his. Just to think about that. And to think about back yonder when I was 32 years of age and I heard the call of God. And I lived, and I said, why haven't I seen that before? Well, you haven't because you were extinct and dead, but now you're alive, you hear. 
People have said to me, well, you ought to cut down on some things and try to slip up on people. <laughs> I never have been able to slip up on anybody. You know what that is? That's compromise. We don't trust God's word enough just to tell what it says. Why, we have to just tell what it says. And if your Aunt Samantha comes to church and you whisper in my ear, now she doesn't believe certain things, you go easy on that. That's the first thing I'm going to talk about. And find out who Aunt Samantha really is. You can't compromise the Word of God. Just can't do it. What is a Christian? What is a Christian? It's used very loosely. We've got Christian quartets and Christian schools and Christian hotels and Christian everything else. But what is a Christian? That's what we're looking at. What is it to be saved? A Christian is a believer like Abraham. He, Abraham believed God and what? And it was counted to him for righteousness. He believed God. If a man believes something, he'll stand for it. That's a Christian. I stand for these truths because I'm one with Christ. I have to tell his truth. What is a Christian? A Christian is a son of God. He is a child of God. To as many as received him, gave he the right to become sons of God. And all men are not the sons of God. Well, who are the sons of God then? Those redeemed by the blood called by the Spirit and have been brought to love Christ, those are sons of God and daughters of God. A Christian has a new father and a new family, and that family takes precedence over his natural family. Disciples came to the Lord Jesus, said, Your family looking for you out there. And he was in speaking to some people, and he said, Who is my family? <laughs> he said those that do the will of God are my family and that's who your family is those who do the will of God takes precedence over your natural family a Christian is an object of God's love in Christ Jesus He's not the object of a general, indiscriminate love that spreads over the whole world. No. He's an object of a particular, everlasting, infinite, unchangeable love. God singled him out as an object of his affection. Now, I've heard people say a loving God would never send a man to hell. I agree with that. 
God won't send anybody to hell whom he loves. So I agree with that statement. God is not in love with the objects of hell's fire. God's wrath will put a person in hell. He that believeth not the Son, the wrath of God abideth on him. A God of holiness and justice puts people in hell, and the only reason any person, any of you, the only reason you're not in hell right now is because of Christ and his sacrifice. No other reason. God loves us in him, and Christ is our holiness. Without holiness, no man shall see God, and Christ is our holiness. What is a Christian? I'm trying to give you some answers to that. What is a Christian? He's a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Back in the Old Testament, when... When a servant, he had to serve, I believe, seven years. When his time was up as a servant, he could go free. But there were a lot of slaves who loved their masters so much. They would say, I want you to bore my ear as a sign that I'm not leaving my master. And everyone who is a Christian has a bored ear I'm not leaving my master I just won't do it I'm not going to be enticed by what religion offers I won't play with religion anyone who denies my master is not my friend and we're going to stand in the truth as it is in the Lord Jesus Christ and won't ever send our children to a place where heresy and errors taught about our Lord Jesus Christ. They can't go. Not to a youth fellowship or anything else. Won't have any part with it. What is a Christian? He's a person who dies in the same faith in which he has lived. He never quits. And he'll walk rough roads with thorns on the roads and friends will leave him. He'll have trouble and trial and sorrow and tribulation. He stays right where God planted him by the rivers of living water. In the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing else. Man never changes who walks with Christ. And he grows. Are you growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? You grow day by day. Grow in the knowledge of him. The reason I love Sunday school. We're learning some things in Sunday school. Would to God everybody could come and, and sit and listen to God's man teach us. I love Sunday school. What is a Christian? Well, one of these days, a Christian is a person to whom God will say, come on home. 
and that person will bow in the very presence of King Jesus. What a day that will be. We sing that, but we still don't know what a day that will be to bow in his presence. So I challenge everybody in this religious world, what you call heresy is the very way I worship my God. What is a Christian? A Christian is a person who believes in a sovereign Savior. They believe he saves whom he will. And a person who loves the preaching of the blood of Christ in effectual atonement is a Christian. You say, well, you're being too narrow and too hard. That's what this book teaches. You can't deny his sovereignty and his right to do as he will with his own and be a Christian. You can't do it. Nobody else is a Christian, not you and not me, unless we believe the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ in his sovereign character as Lord and Savior. And we, we revel in his precious blood. We love the blood of Christ. And that's what it's all about to me. Don't you think that's what it's all about? I get emails and I have people talk with me and all these things and they always use that word Christian. He's a wonderful, committed Christian. Hmm, that doesn't sound right, does it? Just doesn't sound right to me. I trust by his grace I'm one with Christ and therefore I'm a Christian. And I own up to it, who he is and what he did on my behalf. And that's what it has to do with. What is a Christian? Well, you, that, I believe those things are so. What is a Christian? Next time you hear the expression Christian, why? check real close, see who it's said about and why. Because everybody in the world, you know, I, I used to ask people, are you a Christian? I don't ask anybody that anymore. Well, sure I'm a Christian. Well, you think I am a heathen? <laughs> everybody. So I don't ask that. Anymore. I used to. I used to go out on visitation. First thing I'd say, are you a Christian? Well, I, I kind of got dis, disheartened because everybody I met was a Christian. So how was I going to do any good? Till I found out what is a Christian. 